Welcome back to Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker sports. My name is Connor Clark, along with Grant Hansen, as always, and today we're going to go over the first two rounds of what was the NCAA tournament, a crazy two rounds indeed, and we will go on to talk about Husker baseball as they got a weekend series coming up against the Minnesota Golden Gophers, but we will lead today's episode with something much more important for Husker fans uh, coming up this weekend, but fans are finally being allowed back at sporting venues for the Huskers, which includes volleyball, baseball, softball, and soccer in the spring, which is a big deal. Uh, there's not a specific number that has come out yet, but you are able to get single-game tickets for Nebraska sporting events. This also includes the spring game, may I add, as well. So this is a big development uh, for the Huskers, and this, is, this goes for around the Big Ten as well. The Big Ten came to a decision that says, okay, based on where you're located, that's where you can follow those health guidelines. We're not going to do a, a, a conference-wide decision as we've been doing. So that's that's a big deal. But before we get into anything else, don't forget to find our show on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Just search Husser Sports Weekly in the search bar, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at CornHuskerMedia uh, and find our podcast as well, CornHuskerMedia.com for all of our latest episodes. So the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament are behind us, and what a first two rounds they were, uh, filled with upsets, and everybody's bracket is just absolutely terrible, including mine. It's true. Uh, and I think I can say, that on Grant's behalf, I think I can say his is terrible as well. I don't know. Is it? Uh, I think my most – so I did 10. Okay, so – my most accurate bracket, I think, is, and this maybe sixty percent. Um, here, let me check. Let me give you the exact. No, I have one at ninety-two percent, but it's the one that has Ohio State winning the whole thing. So <laughs> that one's gonna go downhill pretty quickly. <laughs> wow. Uh, but hey, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to think about in the in the future how much. Of the upsets that we've seen this year, you know, obviously, I think the average seed is 5.83, which is the Something highest like ever in the Sweet 16. So, you know, how much of it is that, well, there are no fans for the most part. There's a limited amount of fans, but not what we usually see. And so, therefore, some of those smaller schools are on a bit more level playing field with some of those bigger seeds. So, that could be a part of it. Uh, you know, the general weirdness of the COVID year could be a part of it. Uh, but it's certainly not the Sweet 16 that anyone expected to see. And, you know, the fact that the Big Ten only has one team in the Sweet 16 after you had, I believe, eight or nine total bids, uh, I mean, that's just mind-blowing as well. It's, it's, it is it's also kind of disappointing right. from, a, from a Big Ten standpoint because you saw how good the league was this year in in the regular season. But maybe they were just beating up on each other for too long and no, they, they can't play anymore right. good basketball. And I don't really know what the explanation is. It's like, I, I, I don't believe personally that they are overrated. Uh, I, I don't think that's true. And the thing is, it wasn't like every other sport in the Big Ten this year in that they played a non-conference schedule. They played against ACC competition. Uh, and so it, it's hard to attribute what exactly happened. Um, and maybe it just... It just wasn't their year, and there's a lot of things that just didn't go their way. I, or they overlooked a lot of people, you know, because of Maybe. the way that the media talked them up. Uh, a lot of these teams overlooked some of the others. So I, I think of all the Big Ten teams that lost, Illinois was by far the most disappointing. And I know 
that probably comes off as a little bit biased because we both picked them to win the whole thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it. I just I, the amount of talent that that team had to get bounced in the second round is it, just inexcusable. Yeah. Uh, well, give credit to Loyola Chicago. I mean, yes, Porter Mosier proved 100%. that he can coach with anybody on any floor against any team. He did a, a phenomenal job game planning against them. And obviously the players went out and executed that game plan, but – he he designed that defense phenomenally around Kofi Coburn and, and Io DeSumo. So give credit there to Loyola Chicago. Let's take a quick look at the Sweet 16 matchups, and then we'll go back to the round of 32 and the round of 64 and kind of go through the biggest upsets there. But uh, the first matchup on – so th- there, there's going to be four games on Saturday, March 27th, four on Sunday, March 28th. So the first game – on Saturday is number eight Loyola Chicago versus number twelve Oregon State. Then you got number one Baylor versus number five Villanova. Then you have number three Arkansas versus number fifteen Oral Roberts. They got their Twitter verification the other day. They did. And number two Houston versus number eleven Syracuse. Watch out for the Orange Men. They're really good at making deep runs as double digit seeds. And then on Sunday you have number one Gonzaga versus number five Creighton. Number one Michigan. Number four Florida State. Number two Alabama. Number eleven UCLA. And number six, USC versus number seven, Oregon. So a Pac-12 matchup there as well. And Pac-12, speaking of the Pac-12, that's been a conference that's been surprising a lot of people. All hail Bill Walton. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, man, the the Pac-12, what a nice job they've done. And, and again, there's another team that, you know, especially in Oregon, who had COVID issues. They play out on the West Coast. And so the Pac-12 usually is having the same problems that they do in every other sport where they play so much later and they get kind of underestimated at times. Um, I, but honestly, I mean, I did not see the, the whooping coming that USC put on Kansas. I did not see that happening. The whooping. Uh, you know, you could have seen – I think you could have seen, you know, hey, look, Kansas without a couple of their best players dealing with some COVID issues, same things that Virginia was dealing with. Uh, and, and so you could see them a, a loss coming, but a loss of that magnitude, I, that totally blows my mind. And then Dana Altman for Oregon, I mean, that win – was really something special over Iowa. And I can't remember who exactly, what media member, uh, I think it was a Nebraska media member that I saw this tweet from, but it was a really, really, really good point about Dana Altman was that he can beat your team with his team or he can beat his team with yours. Uh, <laughs> and so he, he's just such a deep, talented coach. And he's, you know, just from a small town, Wisner, Nebraska, uh, and just a, a great story. Yeah, and let's take a look at some of the biggest upsets from from the first day just kind of looking here at the the fri- friday the first day of the turn yeah the first day of the tournament right like the, the real the tournament f- official the, the first four was on thursday but uh michigan state lost which was uh, k- kind of disappointing because i had them going pretty far and ucla is taking their spot to the exact point where i had michigan state going at least so uh but the big Upsets through the first day, obviously number 15, Oral Roberts, taking down Ohio State in overtime, 75-72. to 72. You had Oregon State over Tennessee, 70-56. to 56. Oregon State really, I believe they led that game wire to wire too, so they played a really complete game against the Vols in Tennessee. And then you had number 13, North Texas beat Purdue in overtime, and they really pulled away in overtime. They won 78-69, to 69. so that caps off. The first day, the second day, which was Saturday of the first round, the biggest uh, seed, or the uh, actually the second biggest seed, was number 13 Ohio over Virginia, which we talked a lot about 
before the the tournament started about okay this could be a possible upset here and it happened so the bobcats were able to get it done at assembly hall and then abilene christian beat texas by a point in that last day um of the of the first round and then you go into the second round you have syracuse win again over west virginia obviously you have loyal chicago beat illinois which was a shock to a lot of people loyal chicago 71 to 58 over the Illini, which was a really really good performance by them oral roberts winning another game against florida 81 to 78 then you had oregon state continuing to win games over oklahoma state so the illinois oklahoma state matchup that everybody wanted to see never even neither team got to that stage right so oregon state beat them 80 to 70 so a really great uh tournament so far and i think there's I'm, I'm missing a day hold on i'm okay there we go the second day of the second round uh Looking at upsets there, not really much. Uh, I mean, you you could say I mean UCLA and Abilene Christian were the uh, highest seed. Oh, actually, just kidding. I'm stupid. Oregon beat Iowa. That happened by right. 15. Yeah. So and, and uh, that that was the biggest one I think of that that Monday Tuesday or that Monday Sunday side. I right. think to me was that was that game. That game was like where you're like, all right, you know, if there's a team that's gonna give Gonzaga any trouble, I think it's probably Oregon. Uh and, and so that 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 game is going to be very very entertaining if it happens. But, you know, honestly, every prediction I've made in this tournament has fell flat on its face. So, <laughs> I think everybody can say that. <laughs> I know. I well, maybe I should just stop. But uh the one that I was the most disappointed about was Texas Tech. Mm. Yeah. I went all in on Texas Tech and I I was off by a layup, a, a missed layup. Yeah. But Arkansas, that, the, Arkansas, you know, as down as I was on SEC teams, Arkansas and Alabama have really shown out in that this first couple of rounds. We'll see if that continues. But I, that was something I didn't expect, and, and props to them for proving a lot of people wrong, myself included, on the power of the SEC this year. Yeah, Alabama's been a really good team all year. Arkansas, just they, they kind of came on as of late January. They really started to take off in that league in the SEC. So they've played a really good tournament so far they had a nice opening round game and they beat texas tech as you mentioned with that missed layup and i had texas tech going to the sweet 16 so it was a missed layup away from that game but as you said oregon being really the the biggest threat to gonzaga i would agree in in some sense because iowa and gonzaga i feel like are very similar teams they can both run up the score and sometimes their defense can be really faulty so and that's exactly what Oregon did to Iowa. I mean, Oregon ran up the score. They won 95 to 80. And Iowa was still, still able to score points. Luka Garza had 36 of them. But they did a really good job of kind of keying in on everybody else on the floor, like Wieskamp, Bohan. And they couldn't do what they normally would because of the defensive game plan. Uh, so Garza, it wasn't the typical, he gets the ball on the block, gets doubled immediately, kick out for a wide open three. They did a really good job of. Uh, on defense against Garza, even though he had a great game in his final game as a Hawkeye. Um, really, really good job by Oregon. So moving back into the Sweet 16, and I'm going to ask you this, Grant, first. But yes. What is the game you're most looking forward to to watch? Creighton-Gonzaga is going to be really interesting. Uh, can Creighton prove it uh, or not? That's going to be interesting, I think. Uh, and I think, you know, you look at the Baylor side of things, uh, in that South region, Baylor Villanova. Villanova is a team that people thought was going to get bounced, you know, immediately. Again, myself included. I thought Winthrop had a really good shot at them. They beat Winthrop by ten. 
They put the beating on North Texas. Kind of thought that was probably going to happen uh, after, you know, of course, seeing the Villanova win earlier. Uh, and now they take on Baylor. And that's a that's a big game there on that side. Arkansas Oral Roberts. I kind of think that Arkansas is going to win this one and win it handily. Nobody's but... going to be rooting for them, though. I know. I know. And that's would make a difference if there were more fans there, I think. But there aren't. Uh, and then on the other side, Syracuse. I, I like Syracuse to beat Houston. I, I think that one's going to be really interesting. And, and it, it to me, it seems very likely that in the Midwest we see Syracuse, Loyola, Chicago for a trip to the Final Four. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I was kind of eyeing that that Houston-Syracuse game. Syracuse has been there before. They made the Final Four as a 10 seed in 2016. And, I mean, Buddy Bayheim, who's the son of Coach Bayheim, has been really going crazy in this tournament. So he's been able to lift them uh, a couple of rounds in here. Another game that kind of jumps off the page to me is Oregon versus USC. Two teams that know each other very well from the same conference. USC and Oregon both 20-plus wins in the season. Oregon won the regular season Pac-12 title. Um, And, I mean, that'll be a great game. USC's playing some really good basketball. They just uh, cruised their way into the second round over Kansas, 85-51. to So dismantled the Jayhawks. And they're they're playing against a very quality opponent. And as I said a, a moment ago, these two teams know each other very well. Um, don't be surprised if UCLA keeps it close with Alabama. Um, Creighton-Gonzaga, as you mentioned, what what Creighton team are we going to get in that one? And it's Gonzaga going to run up the score once again. Um, and the, the Cinderella story so far, the Oral Roberts, uh, I don't even know their mascot, which I probably should, but Oral Roberts trying to make it to the Elite Eight after getting this far and getting verified on Twitter. So good, <laughs> good for them. And then Loyola-Chicago-Oregon State. I think Loyola-Chicago's got a really, really good chance to beat Oregon State here. <laughs> you know, I thought that I thought that about Oklahoma State. And Oregon State is just red hot. Like, that. I mean, that's just – there's no other way, I think, to put everything that Oregon State has done. So, the same's true for Loyola-Chicago. You know, you beat one of the best teams in this tournament, probably the second best in terms of absolute talent. Uh, and then, you know – I. Alabama-Michigan, potentially in the Elite Eight. That one's going to be really interesting. Colorado couldn't get it going from beyond the arc like they did against Georgetown. They lose to Florida State. Uh, UCLA-Alabama. That, there, there's a lot of intriguing matchups. And, again, a Pac-12 matchup between USC and Oregon over there in the West to face either Gonzaga or Creighton. That one's that one's really entertaining looking, too. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of good games. Personally, I'm going to be rooting for Loyola-Chicago because I'm biased. And, and uh, even though they beat Illinois, who I picked to win, um, loyal, I, I don't know. I'm convinced after that game against Illinois that they played. I'm convinced that they, they, I, I think they can make it back to that Final Four spot if they, if they really want to. Um, so I, again, Porter Moser, fantastic coach, um, out there in in Rogers Park, Illinois, for the Ramblers of Loyola. So, uh, we'll kind of touch more back on the story that we led with today and. Grant, I want to get your thoughts on this, too, because we, we just spent a, a quick snippet talking about it. But fans are being allowed back in to Nebraska sporting events, which include baseball, softball, soccer, and the last two volleyball matches here at Devaney, as well as the red-white spring game in Memorial Stadium. So this is a very big deal, the Big Ten finally letting colleges, based on their location, follow local health guidelines and nebraska happens to fall under the local health guideline that you can have people right. at your sporting events so this is a huge deal yeah probably something they should have done from the start 
but hey, you know, there's no time like the present to start getting it right. Uh, I I think, you know, generally since the beginning, the local schools were at a better place to make a decision on this than a national, you know, effectively a bureaucracy uh, was. So it's a big deal, and it's great timing for the baseball team, and they're home this week. Great timing for the softball team. They're home this week after being on the road, both of those teams, since the start of the year. So that's a really, really big deal. And again, the fact, I, I mean, I didn't think, I certainly, I thought maybe we would see fans for baseball and softball before the year was done. I did not think we would get it done before volleyball was finished. So the fact that we, there could potentially be some fans involved for volleyball, that's pretty cool as well. So it, it's a big step. And, you know, I I think there are a lot of people, um, you know, myself included, who didn't really think we would get here. But for the last 365-plus days, it's kind of been one day closer to normal. Right. And now at this point, you can really start to feel things start to snowball in the right direction just about a year after things really uh, snowballed in the wrong direction in so many ways throughout the country. Yeah, and it really felt like that being at the the, the state tournament for, for high school basketball as well. There were fans allowed there, and it felt pretty normal being there. So hopefully uh, we, we can get a good amount of people in for – for baseball and for softball, soccer, volleyball. Volleyball is going to be really interesting. Right. I know there's only two matches left, but, I mean, people, <laughs> everybody knows Nebraska's crazy about their volleyball. So, And still, uh, we still don't know the number. We don't. I mean, the number that's floated around out there is 2,500, but, I mean, not 100% sure if that's accurate. could be percentage-based. Uh, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how many actually get let in. Uh, and it's all on the Lancaster County level here in Lincoln, not so much on the the, the statewide level. I believe pretty recently uh, things on the statewide level were technically lifted to fully open, but more so meaning it's in the hands of the actual county right. health department, so even further narrowed down uh, in terms of who controls what. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun time, though. I mean... Getting people back in, the spring game is going to be a, a fantastic event that's going to be put on as well because a lot of people feel, I mean, especially a lot of, like us, college freshmen, feel like we were robbed of that first kind of experience with, with football and basketball and everything. So having having the opportunity to go to the spring game is, is a big deal, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I may go to baseball this weekend. So, yeah, I, mean, I know. Might as well. Well, uh, I mean, it's like everything that's kind of happened this year towards reopening for COVID. You don't really see it coming until it's all of a sudden here. Uh, you know, it happened with football, too, out of the right. blue. Uh, and this kind of happened very similarly. So, I think it's yeah. almost better that way, though. I think so. Because you're, not, like you're not stuck waiting. Mm-hmm. You're like, no. oh, wake up. This is good news. Right. So right. that's cool to see. So, yeah, it's better than just kind of waiting and waiting like, oh, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? We'll just have to wait and see. But. Uh, that that was good news to wake up to this morning, or it wasn't really wake up news, but you know it came out like probably mid to late morning. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. As we mentioned, uh, baseball's home this weekend, softball's home this weekend, volleyball's home this weekend. Um, I apologize, soccer. I don't know if soccer's home this weekend. Not sure on that one either. They get fans back too, which yes. is going to be big. Yeah, they are home. Okay. So, uh, so and speaking of baseball. Let's, uh, let, let's transition to Will Bolt and the crew coming off of a four ga- or excuse me three game series against Iowa um, in a row. I, they played Iowa 
uh, two weekends ago up in Minneapolis, and then they played three in Iowa City this past weekend. They split those four games. Uh, they lost the one in Minneapolis, three to one. Then they lost the one on Friday, March nineteenth, in Iowa City, three to nothing. Then they came back with an explosion of scoring, winning ten to eight and thirteen to eight. So, kind of a, a pretty big one eighty there in the span of a week. Right. Yeah. I mean, you win the series against Iowa for the season, uh, three to two for the season series, and so that's really big. And now, you know, you were at a point Friday where it felt like it was really scary for the offense, which had struggled for basically the previous three games. You get blanked. Again, you give up three runs in a single inning, which is the same thing that happened uh, in the game on Sunday. And then you responded really well. Cam Chick obviously ends up as the Big Ten Player of the Week, I believe, this last week for his performance. That is and, correct. And, uh, you know, Kate Povich despite in the losing effort on Friday, and we'll see him again this Friday against Minnesota, continues to do what Nebraska needs to in this whole schedule that you have in these weekend series. you got to eat up innings. As much as you possibly can, you have to eat up innings. And Chase Roach and and Cade Povich have done a great job of doing that for Nebraska as your two starters. Outside of that, things get a little bit really iffy, I think, in a lot of ways in the bullpen. And so that's something that I think Nebraska needs to kind of figure out as we go down the line. You know what the offense is capable of doing, how consistently they can do it that's kind of up in the air and so hopefully they get to prove that this week against minnesota who enters three and eight a team that was probably supposed to be about middle of the pack in the big 10 and has been certainly although playing a relatively difficult schedule uh underperforming so far through the first three weeks yeah nebraska's got four games against the golden gophers this weekend they have one on friday at two o'clock then a double header on saturday the first game is at noon the second game is 45 minutes after the conclusion of that first game, and they got one at noon on Sunday. So Nebraska ideally taking three here, maybe even all four. Right. If you take all four, you get to 11-4 and four overall. And, and, and Minnesota's really young, uh, and so that's been a big factor for them this year. And then as you look at that, that program, though, they fought really hard. They haven't been swept yet this year. They've, they've lost, obviously, the majority of their games, but they've won a game in every series so far. So sweeping them, I think, is going to be difficult. Uh, but if Nebraska can do it, that puts them in a really, really good position. They're already all right. They're about third in the Big Ten, and that's okay. Uh, but to, to really solidify that, it's, it's a big series this week, especially with a tough one on the road in Champaign against Illinois next weekend. Uh, that they're going to have to deal with. I mean, Minnesota is just a weird team overall, too. I mean, you you saw early in the season they lost to Rutgers sixteen to one in a game, and then they beat Rutgers in the next game thirteen to eight. So just a total one eighty there. And as you said, they haven't been swept yet this year. So they they just won one against Northwestern on Monday seven to three, but they lost the first two four to three and then ten to three. So. Well, and they have a huge bat, too, Zach Robbie. That that one's a huge name to watch this week. Hit 484 and 31 at-bats. Uh, a total of six RBIs, which honestly is a little bit low, I think. Uh, only second on the team in, in RBIs considering his hitting percentage. Uh, but that that's a huge, huge one to watch for Nebraska, especially hitting that well this deep already, just three weeks in, but still being relatively consistently you're almost hitting 50% and on base percentage of 60% on the dot. And as you mentioned, Nebraska's two upcoming series are both three-game series, one at Illinois, and then they're back home uh, the second weekend of April against Maryland. So 
Nebraska with a lot of opportunity ahead of them. They're yep. ahead of all three of these teams in the standings. They're third. They're behind Indiana and Michigan are the only two teams they're behind who are both nine and two, I believe, in the conference right now. So obviously if you're if you're Nebraska and I kinda keep going back to this game, but you really wish you could have had that first game of the year back against Purdue where you're lost on that walk off six to five. Because if you get that game, then you have the four-game series sweep, and then you beat Ohio State. So that's a, and then you beat Iowa. So that's a six and zero start before losing to Ohio State, and then two in a row to Iowa. So, I mean, that's one game closer to the top of the standings, but that's one that you'd really like to have back. Yeah, well, and then again, like you look at this pitching staff that has at least fourteen different uh, guys at different points who've come in this year and thrown and. Like, look, each week you're going to come in with 36 at the max innings. This week, I believe it is instead, um, I think it's 34 this week against Minnesota total. But other than that first game, you know, between Roach and uh, Povich, you've been able to eat 12 of the 36 to 34 uh, each each of those times. And that's That's been big. But after after that, trying to find who's next and who can, you know, even once you get down to game three, game four, especially last weekend, didn't have to do it so much against Iowa, but they've had to really patch together innings with a lot of different guys. They've had to bring Joe Acker in sometimes, I believe, to throw, had to do a little bit of work, obviously, with, with Schwellenbach, who hasn't pitched, I believe, since high school. Uh, but he's done a little bit of pitching work this year, and he's been really great. And, and it's not just so much... <laughs> Uh, any sort of junk that, I'm uh, sorry, Jackson Hallmark, by the way, not, um, <clears throat> uh, I can't remember who I said instead, but it, uh, not Acker, but Jackson Hallmark has come in. Uh, but, but Schwellenbach, who doesn't really throw a lot of junk at you, he just throws it as hard as humanly possible <laughs> and hits 96 in upper 90s, and, and he's been a nice find at the relief spot. But there's a lot of guys, Cam Wynn, Caleb Feakin, like who, who you know, in here is going to really, Braxton Bragg, of course, had a great, first game but since then it's kind of been hit or miss at times so it'll be interesting to see how the relief side of the bullpen for Nebraska shapes up as we go throughout the remainder of the season yeah it'll be a fun weekend series for the Huskers against Minnesota obviously hoping to take all four ideally win the series try not to split if you're Will Bolton company and finally we'll we'll touch on Nebraska volleyball real quick um, with their two games coming up this weekend just a couple of quick facts to throw at you about them they're 12 and 2 12 and 2 in the big 10 5 and 2 at home 7 and 0 on the road and that's that's a stat that really jumps off the page undefeated on the road which is very impressive yeah it is and and they enter a big series this week against michigan and then we'll close with penn state looks like that wisconsin series isn't going to get rescheduled i really hope it does but um, there's no date on the calendar yet for that one. Neither is there – there's not also not a date for the Northwestern game. Uh, so that's unfortunate for Nebraska. I, I mean, they'll, they'll make the field, obviously, I think, for the tournament. Uh, but not getting to see Wisconsin before the tournament I think really hurts uh, if that doesn't end up happening. So that, that'll be something to watch. And, again, guys like, uh, like John Cook – uh, really campaigning very, very hard f- for them to say, hey, <laughs> look, we're at 64-team bracket usually, and why are we down to 48, but the men's tournament and the women's tournament are full fields at 64 like they always have been? Why Why is it not the same for volleyball? And, and so 
they've campaigned really hard along John Cook alongside some other uh, Big Ten coaches for, for that same thing. And he's actually worked in conjunction uh, really, really well with the head coach for volley, for volleyball at Wisconsin and Coach Sheffield, Kelly Sheffield of Wisconsin. So that's something to watch, too, as we go throughout the next couple of weeks. And speaking of John Cook, he picked up win number 600 this past series against Iowa. They won both of those matches 3 to nothing. One was in Iowa City last Wednesday, and then last Saturday was back at Devaney, and they won that one 3 to nothing as well. So the next two two set games are against Michigan uh, on Thursday and Friday, and then the following Thursday and Friday they play Penn State. So as of now, no ranked opponents left on the schedule for Nebraska. So you're thinking they should go 4-0 to close the season, right? Yeah, they they need to, and they need to win those games dominantly, you know, very, very similarly to how they beat Iowa. Look, You look at the last few games on the schedule. Listen, you swept Illinois, but it wasn't as sound as you think it probably you would have liked it to be. And then you've managed to make a great comeback against Ohio State despite really shooting yourself in the foot a lot that Friday night on March 12th. Uh, and then you can't get it done against them on, on Saturday. That that loss hurts in, in this grand scheme of things. But you, you need to shut down Michigan and Penn State. And Penn State won't go away easily. I don't think Michigan will either. So getting those two wins and winning those games convincingly is is going to be big. As you get about a week off after that Friday game against Penn State, uh, maybe week, 10 days before you face the first and second round of the tournament in Omaha at the CHI Health Center on April 14th. All right, well, we talked about NCAA tournament basketball, Husker baseball, and Husker volleyball, so a couple of weekend series coming up. And hopefully you get to attend those events in person. So that'll do it for us on Husker Sports Weekly. This was episode number 36. Don't forget to find our show on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar and find us on Twitter at CornHuskerMedia. For all the latest updates, you can find our new episodes being posted there on our website at cornhuskermedia.com as well. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week for more NCAA tournament talk and for more Husker athletics. So once again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Go Big Red.